everybody. Welcome to the Approximate Podcast. My name is Jamie French, and with me, as always, is... I want Shut two. the I fuck want up. Two. Hey, Jim Norton. How you doing? Hi, Jamie. <laughs> I'm glad we finally made this work. This took a long time to set up. It's my fault. I'm... Yeah, no, it only it only took about uh, nine and a half years. It was a while. It really was a while. So, but I know it's I'm, I'm impossible to schedule with. And when I know somebody, I don't like to go go through my publicist because we're friends. Right. So it's always weird. But I should always say use my publicist because she'll put it up. And I would literally would have had this done within three weeks. Like she gets everything organized. But I always feel bad putting somebody on a publicist when I've talked to them because it seems like I'm blowing them off. Right. But I, I should do that because she schedules it and it would get done faster. <laughs> uh Thank you so much for for doing this for us. Like we're totally stepping all over your gig right now. No, I, I should care. mention to everybody that's going to be listening to this in the future. We're at the uh, Texas Theater in uh, downtown Dallas, and this is a very special show. And uh, I gotta thank Jim Norton so much for giving us so much of his time. He's a very busy man, and he has shit to do tomorrow. We're completely fucking your day up. You're not at all. I, I literally, <laughs> I almost came earlier. I was going to say, meet me here a uh, half hour earlier, but I thought I had a meet and greet first. Right. So, And that's now after. So it's just, we're, we're good. We'll, right. we'll do it now and we'll finish after or we'll do it now. We're fine. We'll do it live. Yeah, we'll hey. Live. Yeah, no. The magic of editing makes everything wonderful. Yes, yeah. yes absolutely. Uh, Orion, uh, introduce yourself. You know, I stepped all over you. Oh, that's Shut up. Weird. Hey, Jim, how you doing? I'm good. <laughs> I take it you don't like Ryan introducing uh, Ryan introducing himself. Hush, puppy. No. Uh, first things first, uh, this is going to be a questions and answers show, but before we get to anything, I got I to gotta tell you, Jim, right up front, we've been texting each other for, Jesus, almost three years now. That's right. I met you at the Dallas Improv. Yes. You were with, uh, was it Eva? That was, uh, yeah, it was Eva. Eva Cassini, right? Eva Cassini and me, and, and we were at the Addison Improv. That's right. And, and that's where we first met, and... Uh, by hook or by crook, we started texting each other ever since that And, and I've not seen you since that night. And I really have to apologize to you because most of the texts I've sent over three years have been drunk texts. Are they? <laughs> yes. Very embarrassing. Orion, you're not the only one that gets it. <laughs> I don't see them till the next day because my phone's always on silent. And I'm sorry. Well, and I <laughs> I'm sorry for that. I, I don't see them, so I don't care. They don't bother me. They don't wake me up. That's fine. That, I appreciate that. You know, I get a, a really bad reputation. I said because I do I do the drunk text thing all the time, and people say, "Well, Jesus Christ, you're a drunk. Uh, you, you you're an angry guy when you fucking but you're drinking. You, you are you black an angry out. Are you an angry drunk? I, this is what people tells me. They they say they, they you black out. Oh, you go ahead and you you go to uh, bestiality forums and and people. You know, you go and you dive in and, and, and you, like, try to find dudes that want to, like, mate canines to to dudes. And and, and you, you go, uh, and they, they say all this stuff about me. Wait, hold and on I now, say hold that's, on. none Why? of that's true. I say none of that's true. That's absolutely false. I've never blacked out. Oh, well, good for you. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Good. I've never blacked <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. I thought you were being honest. I was like, all right, I, I kind of understand. I'm not into canines. No, it is true. It is true. Canines, I, I do drink a little bit. I do drink a little bit. And and sometimes, you know, uh, look, okay, to be totally honest, to be totally honest, being in porn, you know me, Jim. Sure. I, uh, that's how you know me. Uh, that's my bread and butter. I'd be in porn. And I get weird emails all the time. 
And sometimes I get emails from guys that are like into bestiality stuff and they send me, you know, pictures and requests of things that they might want me to do. And I got to say, absolutely, absolutely. I delete those things. I I mean, I print them out first. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Then you delete them. So you have them in case there's a problem. (coughs) Understandable. (laughs) Or if she's out on a whim. (laughs) Yes. So, geez. Jesus Christ, nobody's playing along. Uh, f- <laughs> Here, guys, uh, listeners of the show, this is a questions answer show. So let's just dive right into it. Is everybody game? Sure, of course. All right. So uh, right off the bat, we have a question from, oh, Jesus, of old cry of every, fucking Orion. You have the first question. Here's your chance. I get to talk during this show? Well, if maybe. Maybe? No, okay. shut up. See, anyway. That's what I'm talking about right there. Go ahead. Um. With regards to Jamie, why do you give her any time? I like Jamie. You know, I we well, it's because I got the dits, the the dits, the dits. See, exactly. How can you how can you be drunk I, now? You haven't drunk anything yet. It's the the tits and the dicks. Let's not pretend that this is a meritocracy. <laughs> this is this is because I got tits and a dick that this show is happening oh. at all. No, you're the first trans uh, podcast I've ever done. Oh. Uh, everyone always has tits or now, a dick. You're the first combination. Are you kidding me? <laughs> now, wait a minute. Uh, and, and all the time you've known Bailey J, you never did her podcast? No. The, I, the, she's oh, a, really? Never. Really? Bailey, Bailey's a good friend of mine. And uh, yeah. no, I've had her on projects that I've done. Right. She's been a co-host on my Vice show and the IFC pilots I did. They didn't get picked up, but Bailey was my co-host. But no, I never did. Uh, I never did her podcast. I think her and Matt would have me on. We just never happened. You're, so you're the first. There you well, have it. now I feel special, but it's not my time to gloat. Ryan, you have your first question. Now, Let's uh, go ahead. We're killing kid, time. All, this all guy has to get aside. on stage. Shut the hell up. I'll do my best. All kidding aside, um, my first question is about um, tough crowd. It's been about twelve years. Um, Into the mic. Um, check, 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 check. There you go. The three-finger rule really works, really does. Um, it's been about 12 years since it's been on. Do you do you miss it? Do you miss the guys? Yeah, you know, it's fine. That's that's one of those things I get the most questions about because, like, we didn't realize when we did it how much younger comedians were going to love it. Like, young comics will tell me all the time, like, tough crowd made me want to do comedy. And when you're doing something like that and you're only getting two years out of it and the network is fucking with you and we didn't feel like we were going to get a third season mm. and we didn't. Um, you know, I, I didn't realize that Patrice was going to die young. I didn't realize that Greg Giraldo was going to die young. Yeah. So you don't realize these things are going to happen. So you kind of don't realize when you're doing it what what you're involved with. Right. Um, it won't come back, but do I miss it? Yes. Could we do it now? No. Mm. I talked to Colin the other day. I called Colin on Monday. Um, when I, you know, He's one of my closest friends. I'm in touch with him all the time. I'm in touch with uh, Keith Robinson. I still see at the cellar. All the guys from the show, except for Greg yeah. and Patrice. Right. Um, we couldn't do it again, though. We could have done it without Greg or without Patrice. It wouldn't have been the same, but we cannot do it without both. Right. It, it, is it because of the personalities, or is it a money thing, or is it because this, the, just, it's just, it can't be part of the zeitgeist right now. We just can't do it without them. A, no one has wanted to put it back on. Uh, we probably could find a place for it, but the reality is I don't know if Colin wants to do that, and uh, it wouldn't be the same... It wouldn't have the same soul it had and the right, same energy. Right. Nick DiPaolo I still talk to all the time, and, right. you know, we're all still friends, but without those guys, um, without one of them at least, we couldn't do it. Right, right. You know, 
we were lucky we got away with what we did. We used to air at 11.30 at night. I think uh, The Daily Show aired at 11, and we would air at 11.30, and the next night, they would replay both at 7 and 7.30. The Daily Show was a replay from the night before, 7 p.m., and ours was 7.30. Right. And we did extremely well in the ratings. We had a lot of viewers, but the network got a lot of complaints because we did rape jokes, we did race jokes. You know, I mean, they, they, the tough crowd addressed race very honestly. Um, and, you know, and, and they did it with white comics and black comics. There was none of this fucking fake addressing race, which is, uh, you know, a bunch of fucking frightened white people going, good point, good point. <laughs> you know, like Colin and Patrice would go head to head. And people loved it because they felt like they were hearing two real guys have a conversation and neither one of them was afraid of the other one. So it was great to hear who, two guys who you knew liked each other, yeah, who you knew respected each other, having a real talk. It was fun. It was a great fucking show, and it was hilarious. We said the meanest shit to each other. And if you ever tried to get an applause break from the audience, you were finished. Like, if you ever said some <laughs> stuff like, you know, I mean, like, you know, the bottom line is this. You know, rape is wrong. And if you, like, looked at the crowd for an applause, fucking Colin would lop your head off. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, so the crowd was on board. They were on board. They knew what it was. But it was very honest. Um, yeah. It wasn't always funny. It wasn't always correct. Uh, it sometimes it, it was. Well, we always tried to be honest with each other. You know, you got to be honest about how you feel, even if you're an asshole. And sometimes we were just we were just assholes, and it was it was wrong. I think that's one of the the things that people love a lot about Tough Crowd was that it was an honest show, and you could tell it was honest because of the crowd reaction. Very few shows ha allow for honest crowd reaction. They don't. They don't allow you to say anything honestly anymore. People are just right. up. But you know what? Now you have podcasts. You don't need it. There's not as much of a need for tough crowd anymore either, because anything we said on that show, you can go on 200 podcasts and say that didn't exist. But exist in 2002, 2003. Right. Right. So there's not as much of a need for it anymore. Um, you know, because there's so many ways. Like this. Yeah, YouTube you're like back in those days. Having a show like Tough Crowd, you it was you had an opportunity to break ground. But now in this day and age, there's no need to break ground because there is a there's a kind of uh, freedom amongst all people to say whatever they want that didn't exist back in 2002. So breaking ground is kind of passe because. Everybody has a voice now. Well, I mean, does that make sense? Well, yes, but it's also what's considered groundbreaking changes. Like now, a lot of this, the stuff we talked about then was considered inappropriate too, like the, the tone of the jokes, because Nick DiPaolo is very rough. Yeah. Patrice yeah. Is, was very rough. Geraldo was, was very, all of us uh, were known to be kind of harsh. Right. And, um, you know, that was political correctness, um, was kind of fucked tough crowd over a little bit. It's the same now, just a little harsher. Um, but what's groundbreaking is uh, it changes from generation to generation. Talking about Catholicism is not groundbreaking. Nobody gives a shit now. Right. But when Lenny Bruce did it, it ruined his career. Right. You know, uh, like talking about uh, race now is not groundbreaking. When Dick Gregory and Richard Pryor did it, and Len even Lenny Bruce did it in the fucking 60s and the 50s, right. it was groundbreaking. Now no one cares. I don't know that, that there's anything, because everyone is so plugged in and... And the world has become so small through social media and things like this that ev it, it almost seems like everybody kind of knows everything. And so what do you say to, to put people on edge, to make them think? We kind of all know everything. So long as you're the kind of person that's willing to pay attention to what's going on, so long as you're plugged in to the information feed that we all have access to, is, is, there, is there a – 
a, a platform for folks that want to push the edge. Is pushing the edge even a thing that exists anymore? It, it, it technically is, but I don't believe in it. And I never think I, my job is never to make people think. Like I have to be honest and funny. That's it. I don't have to be right. Uh, I don't have to be poignant. Like if I'm if it if it happens incidentally, like you know, Pryor talked about race and his mother being a prostitute, but he was always funny. Like you have to be funny. For my job is not to educate the audience. Right. It's not my fucking job. No. I don't give a shit how they feel <clears throat> about the kneeling. Like you know, I'll make fun of it maybe, but I don't. Ca- my job is not to convince them. Right. That my point of view is correct. It's not my job. My job is not to shock them. Your job title is comedian, so laughter is first paramount everything. Yeah. That's that's what you do. Yeah, honesty and funny. I think those are my two obligations. The rest of the stuff, uh, hey, if it happens incidentally, it happens, sure. but it's not my goal. Uh, and that's freaking amazing. Uh, yeah, it's just... It, I, I love your question about Tough Crowd because it was at a time where it was all about laughter, but you could also kind of challenge people's... Uh, conception about the world someone had there was there was there was a bit of magic between being able to to use ideas and make people laugh at the same time that i don't think really gets to exist now and and i i think it was a product of its time here's where the problem is with it now and they Mm. try to do it they keep trying to do it but they they the shows that that are trying it now they have a base point of view and they try to the, the host's point of view is a little too important to the tone of the show. Ah. It's like you can't do that. Like when Colin wanted to argue race, I forget who he had on. I think he had Patrice, Kevin Hart, and one more black comic, and two more black comics. Like it was just Colin against four black comics, and right. he wanted their opinions. He didn't want to soften it to get at people who had the opinions he had. The tone of the show was dictated by the guests as well as the host, not just the host. So right. the tone was unpredictable, and that's right. why it was fun. Um, you know, now they try to gear it where the tone is dictated by the host or what the network is comfortable with. But then Colin wanted people to come on who didn't agree with him. He right. wanted funny fucking people who didn't agree with him. You know, Patrice was a yes. monster. Like you know, you you he was really hard to argue with because he was loud. <laughs> so he was loud. Not, he was a loud dude. I mean, and so like when you want to argue with him publicly, you really are willing to. You possibly look foolish. Uh, absolutely. So Colin was willing to possibly look well, foolish. Because, and- because Patrice was not only loud, but he was oftentimes correct. Most times he was correct. Yes. Now, I'll say, I'll say, I mean, most times, uh, a lot of the time he was correct. He he still explained, there's a, there's a point people say, how come black people don't let slavery go? We're, we're like, you know, the, the Jews are over it. And he gave the, the best explanation of that, the most crystal explanation that I'd ever heard anybody give. He said, uh, it was, I'm paraphrasing it, he goes, because you had Hitler. He goes, you had a face and you had a guy. And then when he was dead, that guy was dead and you moved on. But with, with slavery, there was no face and there was no one guy. And he walked through this really smart explanation. It was just like, oh, okay, that makes perfect sense. He was the first guy I'd ever heard 
put it into such a uh, a, a kind of a you know how Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson will explain science in a way that fucking idiots can understand it's succinct. it. Succinct. Yeah, he had a great way of explaining that. I'd never heard it phrased that way. So yeah, he was a brilliant, brilliant guy. And I know that's not the topic of this whole thing, but <laughs> he. But I never get tired of talking about him because he was uh, the mistake people made when they argue with him is he was loud and he could out yell you. Yeah. But he was also smarter than most of the people he argued with, and he was funnier than all of them. So to listen to people and that's be what f- taken back by how smart he was yeah. was always was always funny. Guys who underestimated the fact that and he was going to run circles around what you were I, saying. And I think he knew it too, and that's what allowed him to be loud when he was. No, he was just loud because he was loud. He was just a, <laughs> he was just a fucking. Now, there was no thought, but why Patrice was just loud because he liked being loud, and he was that guy. He was an loud, obnoxious. He happened to be a genius, but he was a loud, obnoxious motherfucker too. Those were two different things that he was. <laughs> really? Yeah, they went hand in hand. One did not spur the other. Patrice uh. was just loud, a loud, funny, obnoxious guy, and he liked being loud. Well, thanks. And he for, would say that to you. <laughs> thanks for he, clearing that if up. You yelled at him because I romanticized oh, no, Patrice no, no. O'Neill in no, that no, no. way. He would say that. I've seen him say that to people where, where you would argue with him, and he would go, "You're not gonna be louder than me," and you're like, "No, you're not." <laughs> You're not going to be louder than this fucking dummy. He just had a loud voice, a big booming voice. Okay, so let's tie a bow on that one. Let's move on to another question before you have to get sure. the hell out of here. Yeah, no, we're good. Um, let's see. Go on now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so our second question. That was our first question. Thank you, Orion, for no, that question. No, no, Thank, thank you for tough crowd, dude. Really. Thank you, man. Really. Yes, I appreciate absolutely. That. Thanks for making. Thanks for making us so fucking uncomfortable. It was. Pathetic. Uh, uncomfortable is okay, <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with it. No, that's to me that was the that was the that was the statement that shows that there's nothing wrong with being uncomfortable. Sure, if it makes you you know let out what you need to feel about of the events that were going on. Yeah, you're and you're hearing about. people talk honestly, and sometimes they're funny, and other times we miss the mark. That's okay. Okay, so uh, we're gonna get to our second question. This one is from a good friend of mine, a uh, an LA comedian out of. Uh, Jeez, I, you know what I almost said? An L.A. comedian out of L.A. Drunk. No, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Carrie Martin. Carrie Martin, a really good friend of mine. Uh, she has she uh, co-hosts a podcast called White Wine True Crime and also a uh, podcast called Pretty Scary through the uh, Unpopular Opinion Podcast Network. There, hey, I told you. There, you get a plug. I'm going to get to your questions. Let's see how stupid you sound. Uh... I love you. Carrie, she asks, uh, and this is specifically towards you, Jim. Uh, first question is, how did you get involved with the UFC? Um, I had interviewed a lot of the fighters over the years, and uh, Dana and I were friends. And then uh, he told me years ago, back in 2007 or eight, I thought I was going to get fired from my radio job. And Dana White and I were talking on the phone, and... Um, he asked me how much. He goes, how much would it cost me to steal you away from that? But I was under contract. He goes, we're going to work together someday. And then whatever. It just didn't happen. We stayed friends. And years later, he calls me one day. I'm in, like, wherever the fuck I am in my hotel. And I go, hey, man. He goes, hey, look, dude. Uh, how, you want to do the podcast for us with Matt Sarah? I'm like, what? He goes, we're doing a UFC podcast. Do you want to do it? Matt's on. <laughs> Matt do you want to do it? He tells me the fucking money they're going to pay me. He goes, that's the money if you want to do it. I'm like, yeah, I want to do it. I just had to make sure I was allowed contractually. And because Dana and I had had that conversation seven years earlier, eight years earlier, I had it put into my my radio contract because they won't let me do a Jim Norton podcast. So I had it put in my radio contract that if you if I ever want to do a mixed martial arts thing, I can. And they didn't. They were like, yeah, whatever. And they threw it in the contract. So originally my company said no. 
And then we pointed out to them that that's in. They're like, oh, yeah, that was smart. You can do it. So that's how I got involved with the UFC podcast. We've been doing it about a year. And, uh, and uh, it's funny. I was on uh, Rogan's show yesterday, yeah. and he said that he really liked our show, which was uh, – I mean, I know Joe for a long time, but right. I didn't assume he'd ever heard our podcast. But uh, he gave us quite a nice uh, – Compliment, which was, you know, it's always good to a guy like who knows that much, who enjoys the show. Right, it felt nice. Right. Do you hang with Sarah a lot? I love Matt. We don't hang as much because he's in Long Island. He's right. got a wife and three kids. Right. And I'm in, uh, in in Manhattan. But that's the only reason we don't. I talk to him all the time. And he's, Matt Sarah is that guy 24 hours. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. He was, he is, isn't he? Not an ounce of bullshit in Matt Sarah. He, he's really that dude. Um, and you know what's funny? Matt was on board before I was. And I, I'm so fucking socially uncomfortable. Like, I'm awful. I never walk up and say hi to people. I always just kind of... It's not that I don't want to, but I'm just never comfortable. And I was at a UFC uh, event. I th- it was, like, in Vegas a couple years ago. And I saw Matt sitting there. And I know Matt. And I was with my ex-girlfriend. She's, one of my, she's probably my best friend. And I'm like, I'm going to go say hi to Matt. Like, I never say hi to people. I fucking... And I saw Matt. And I'm like, hey, man, how are you? And we had a nice chat. And he's like, Jimmy! And we talked. <laughs> And I think that when Dana bounced my name off him, it was not long after that, and he realized he had just seen me. So I think that moment kind of had me in his head, like, oh, yeah, that's right, Jim would be great. But it's those weird little moments that you never see that are coming true. Kelsey, are you going on? Um, it's 8.08, so I'm going to go see if they're about there. That's fine. Cool. I'll just, all right, cool. No worries. All right, just, we're, we're just, okay. just real quick. Twi- we're okay. We're okay? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, then uh, let me. Uh, Kelsey, can you let me know when you go on? Thank you. This way I'll know we have 20 minutes. What? Uh, can we... Let's, yeah, let's start at 8.15. 8.15? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Cool. Okay, buddy. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> let me get to uh, Carrie Martin's second question. Sure. Uh, let's see. She says, uh, uh, Jim has been performing stand-up for almost... 30 years. Is that true? 27. 27. April of, April of 1990 uh, was my first time on stage. Jeezy. Uh, wow. Okay. So uh, he's done TV, radio, wrote books. Uh, okay. Fair enough question. Well, which is his favorite to do, and what is his ultimate entertainment goal? I would like to – my ultimate goal is I would like to get something on TV that lasts this mine – um, that's something I want to do. I mean, uh, I would like to write another book. I've been a little lazy with that. I mean, I wrote two, and then I just most of my writing went into stand-up material. But of them three, I can't say I like one. Um, I love being on stage, and I love radio. It's hard to say which is better because they're different. It's like, do I like oral or anal? I mean, um, you know, I like both. They're different though. <laughs> because, you know, one, you're getting in, in feedback from, right. and there's no feedback in radio. But the fact that I'm not getting audience feedback kind of makes it fun because you can talk for a little while and you don't have to worry about a reaction so you can go off on long, weird tangents. So I love both. I cannot pick one that I love more. Um, <sighs> stand-up can be amazing I, and it can suck just like radio. I, I Okay, I, I, I got to ask, just as a fan. Sure. I got uh, somebody that doesn't know anything from the outside looking in. I would imagine... That it is not stand up your baby. Yeah, it's what I started doing, and it's what I always wanted to do, and it's like where I'll always make my living. But but you never went into it like so, like a lot of comedians do. You never went into it just as a stepping to stone no. towards something else. No, this was the beginning, middle, and end for me. I found radio ten years into stand up. Right. So it wasn't planned that I would do radio. I never planned that radio would be like one of my main sources of of of, of uh, connection Income, with right. people. Mm. 
I'm glad it is though because I love doing it. Like I love it. It's this this hours a day you're talking. It's fun, right. and, you, and you know, and people remember shit I said in, in, in you know in 2007 that I have no memory of saying. And you know, right, I've hun- I've bugged you with those kind of texts. I, I yeah. never remember it, and there's hundreds of hours of stuff from the Opie and Anthony show. Right, and I'm not exact. Hundreds of hours. Right. Hundreds, yes, absolutely. Of of, of, of ta- with all of us, with Burr and Patrice and myself, and with of course Opie and Anthony and fucking Bobby Kelly and Vaughn. And there's so many bits and so many moments, but. And you don't remember almost any of it, and that's what's kind of fun. It's like, it's like you're having a conversation, and then it just goes out, and people pick it up and they listen to it. And it, I never like the, the, I'll say the same thing on stage last night that I said tonight because I'm doing a set. Sure, radio's different, so it just kind of goes out there, and you never know where it lands. But more to the point of the question, I appreciate that answer absolutely. But more to the heart of the question, there's there's a difference as as far as I know. I mean. You know, we all have our careers. We all have these things we want to do. For me, it's porn and music and a fledgling podcast. And my my thing, if 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 I was to get to the heart of the matter, what I want to do, I always give the same shit answer, and that is, I want to make things. You know, now where I make my bread and butter is the porn. You know, that's been the most successful sure. thing for me. And it's and it's an easy success because I, I I didn't really have to work at it. I was born looking a certain way, uh, I, born being you know a, a a niche product. I could easily make that work into my favor, which I have. But from the age of fifteen, before, long before porn or long before sexual confusion or anything like that, I was just a kid. Music was the thing, and I always said that that. I, I remember I got my bass at 15 years old. I, I lied to a kid, said I could be a drummer. I asked my dad for a set of drums. He said, no. What would you like besides drums? I said, uh, a bass. And he went out to a music store, got me a bass. And the moment I got that bass home, I, um, I said out loud to myself that music is going to be the thing that I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And the, the, the reason your father got you the drums, is uh, the bass, is because that's a much more palatable thing to listen to all afternoon, boom, 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 then fucking someone pounding on the drums. Right, That was a smart absolutely. move by your father. Nobody I mean, wants to hear someone play. That's why basses are no. born. Yeah, They absolutely. all want to be drummers or guitarists, <laughs> and their father's like, no, the fucking bass is the quietest one yeah. I can listen to. I was forced into a, a pragmatic situation. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I was actually forced into a situation that would uh, uh, afford me a lot more gigs than any guitarist player. <laughs> you know, right. every Nobody wants to play bass. The bass player will My always jo- work. Job security. Yep. I was forced into job security. But none of that matters. What, what I'm driving to is... Music is the thing, and everything that I do that's not music goes to service the music. Will I ever be successful at music? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. I find much more success in being a success worker and uh, being a porn person. But I know what my passion is, you know. And so I one enables it, you fine. to do the other, right? Yeah. But yeah. for you to get to Carrie's question is. With all the opportunities that you have and all the, the, the money that you can pull from different uh, uh, sections of, of your experience, what is the thing that you love that you like to drive to? I can't say if it's stand-up or radio. More. So that's what I was saying. Like, I don't know because I'll, one day I'll tell you stand-up. Like when I'm working on material or when, when there's a new bit of material I'm doing that's killing, I love it. Yeah. And then one time I'll tell you radio. 
because that was a great day. And I, I can't answer the question, which I like more, because it, it varies from day to day. It varies from what I did that day. Right. Do I get sick of one uh, sometimes? Sure. And then the other one feels better, and then the reverse. Okay. That, that's yeah, a fair I answer. really don't have that's an answer. That's a fair answer. Yeah. No, that's a fair answer. Uh, so, uh, hey, hope that answers your question, Carrie, because you got one more before we probably have to shut this fucker down for just a second, and we let editing take care of the rest. Uh, let's see. So the third question here uh, from Carrie Martin. Uh, let's see here. She says, uh, oh, okay, this is good because Carrie Martin is one of my favorite drunks. Uh, <laughs> she says, uh, has being sober for over 30 years, uh, how does that work? Almost 30 years. Um, Almost 30 years. Or was it 30? February might have been 30. How do you mean, how's it work? I just don't drink or do drugs. You just don't drink. Yeah. For a person that does drink, and I'm sure you probably get this question a lot. I remember your advice show. And, hey, thanks for the uh, plug on the advice show. I, I don't remember, remember that. Did I give you one? Yeah, yeah. You mentioned me. Somebody was asking uh, about uh, wh- where do you meet trans girls online? Is there any good dating sites? Oh, okay. And I gave you a, a little list of dating sites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've looked at a few of them, too. Um, yeah. it's, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it is tough. I had, I had the trans app, but there were, there were a lot of them. Uh, they were all working girls, which is fine, but I was looking to date somebody. Um, and I didn't hear back from some of the people I wrote, so I was like, uh, it's just, you know, Tinder should just have another option. But whatever, what was your question? Sorry. <laughs> the, the question was, uh, it, it sounds like, like, I'm, I'm going to read in between the lines. She's saying that, how, how do you, as somebody that's been sober for almost 30 years, how do you get past drinking? I know Carrie. And uh, and she she drinks, and I think the reason she's asking that question, if I'm reading in between the lines, is how 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 did you do it? You can just uh, well, you get past it just by not doing it. Like you know, it sounds that's crazy, but it really is that simple. There's 12 step groups you can do. There's other stuff people can do. Uh, if you want to stop and you make an effort to stop, and there's steps you take where you can stop, that's how you do it. Like it sounds like uh, crazy, he, but that really is all it is. It's you know, I I think that. Not doing it. To, to kind of elaborate um, and to kind of go a little bit further, Carrie, I, I think there's not a – I don't think you can just uh, – tell me if I'm wrong or tell me if this makes sense. I don't think there's a kind of per- – I don't think there's a kind of person that can just quit. I think you have to be predisposed to quitting. No, people – no, no. Honestly, people can quit or they, some people can. Some people can't. It's different for people. I, I never say that people can't quit. Some people drink 30 years. Fart, never do it again. Never do it Other again. Other people never pick it up. Um, so it, it really does vary from person to person. And I'm glad I can actually hear what's going on downstairs. I'm not yeah. as panicked as I was. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that varies from person to person. If she wants to stop, she can uh, – there are ways to stop if she really wants to. But you don't think there's something in somebody that, like, okay, we use drinking as a. I drink, obviously, I drink, and and I use it to kind of self medicate. Yeah. Right. Sure. But I also know I have the wherewithal to know that I should cut down or drop it altogether, and I can feel myself getting closer and closer to that line, and I think the only reason I could do that is. Not through sheer willpower, but because I have like a, I have again to say the word a predisposition to wanting to be healthy, even though I'm self-medicating, which is to say I'm maturing 
and I know that alcohol can't be a part of the next adult stage in my life. But that's only because it naturally occurs to me. And so many people don't get out of drinking because they're not built to be fully adults or they're not built like they have a permanent hole that alcohol fills and they can't they can't get away from it. No matter how much they want to or how much they know they need to, there may just simply be a biological predisposition towards self-improvement. And if you don't have that, then you may just kind of be fucked. Nah, I, I maybe. No, it's not impossible, but no. I think that people, most people, can uh, change if they want to change. Not all people. There are, there are some. I'm sure that you're correct. There, there's some. I think most people can change. Maybe just not everyone. I'd say 95, 98% of people can change if they are willing to do something about it. A ray of hope from Jim Norton. You know, I like your positive attitude. Thank you very much. It's very <laughs> rare I have one. <laughs> hey, you guys heard it first. You like the Jim Norton, and he says the positive thing. Listen to this man. You can change. Let's do you one more change. question. We're going to do that, one I, more question. On yeah, I hear the crowd going on, yes. and we're going to have to split this up. So let's pick a real, real simple one. Real, real simple one. Uh, Orion, you got your list? Yes. Go ahead and pick a question. Don't make me do all the heavy lifting, you son of a bitch. It's too late for that. <laughs> Real quick, yeah. we got to go. Uh, Hamad. Ahmed. Ahmed. Yes. Um, he has a question. It's very simple, but but I want to hear the answer. All right. How do you start a podcast? Ah, uh, jeez. Is that who's that going out to? Um, actually, I'm, anybody? I want to I want to go with um, Jim here. It depends. I I don't have my own podcast. I do Chip Chipperson, which is a character I do. So I start right. that a certain way. But I think that podcasts should just be started organically, whatever is comfortable. Like Rogan just starts talking. Mm-hmm. Like what Joe will do is typically you'll sit there, and uh, that's what we did yesterday. I think people were yelling at me because they thought I was on my phone while Joe was talking to me, and these fucking dummies. What happens is Joe's looking at some news stories. We haven't started the podcast right, yet. Right. And I'm checking my phone. I'm looking at news stories. Joe's talking to me and Jamie, just kind of just kind of meandering around topic to topic. Boom, boom, boom. But we haven't started. Jamie is still setting up. So we're talking. Right. Um, but, or Joe's kind of just getting Jamie is getting ready and then he'll go, We're good? Go. And then we get into it. That's how he does it. Um, Bill Burr just turns it on. To, hey, it's Bill. It starts talking. Right. That's how you do it. If you have a theme, Corolla. Uh, I did him on Wednesday, and the way Adam does it is he has a fucking show. It's a theme show. It's like a radio show. Right. That's what works for him. Five days a week, an hour a day, 90 minutes a day, like a radio show. So there's no answer to that. I say whatever feels comfortable, just try to be consistent. Um, You know, it can be conversational. It can be with a theme song. Whatever works for you. I mean, uh, there's no answer to that that's correct. Uh, I disagree. Ahmed, here's what I say. Uh, you, you want to figure out how to start a podcast? My my recommendation is don't. <laughs> do not start a podcast unless you know why you want to start a podcast. Why do you want to start a podcast? I know why I want to start a podcast. Uh, look, simply this, and I've said it time and time again on a multitude of episodes in our year and almost a half of doing this podcast. I don't have a degree in uh telecommunications i have no no chance of of being a dj or a personality on a radio station i have too many other things going on in my life but i know this one thing i know this one thing 
Radio was there for me when I didn't have friends, when I didn't have family. Radio was my family. And radio started being my family. Jim, when the Opie and Anthony show got the Dallas market in around 2000, 2001, I was there the day you guys went on the air, and I was all alone. I was 20, 21, and I had nobody and nothing in my first apartment. And because of your guys' voice, I felt like I had friends. Radio communication, most especially talk radio. I'm not talking morning zoo. I'm saying talk radio. When it's done well, they're friends to the friendless, and your show and your contribution when you were on the Opie and Anthony show way back in the day made me feel like I had somebody, and that's all I needed to inspire me to put on a podcast. I got so much out of talk radio by listening to what I felt at the time were the best shows. You know, I'm not an arbitrary. I'm an, uh, you know, I'm not the. Uh, 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 a prince of taste or anything. I can't tell you what's good or bad, but I could tell you what made me feel like I was not alone. And that was talk radio. And so when I had the means to do so and the time to do so, I wanted to throw my hat in the ring and be the kind of show for people like shows were there for me. Now I'm almost 40, I'm 38 years old, but when I was 20, I needed radio more than anything. But now we're living in a different time, and so we get podcast. And I think, dude, Ahmed, if you really want to start a podcast, do it for the right reasons. Have something you're passionate about to talk about or just want to be there for other people, for people that ain't got nobody else because that's the only reason I'm doing it. It was there for me, and I want to pay it back. And I think that's a good thing to do. And the technical stuff, fucking going up to fucking Guitar Center with a little less than 500 bucks will get you every... You got Google. We all know how this shit works. You want to put together a podcast, watch some tutorials, grab your gear, and make sure before you press a fucking button, you have something that you want to say that you actually believe in and care about, or else your podcast is bupkis. Doesn't mean nothing. All right, this one's from David, and this is this one's going to Jim. If you could be in any band, what band would you be in? What instrument would you play? <laughs> and groupie doesn't count. That's a good question. What <laughs> band would I be in? See, my my favorite band is Sabbath. I love yes. Motorhead. I love Kiss. But I wouldn't be in any of them because I love those guys too much to replace any of them with me. Right. I'll say Guns N' Roses, because I respect those guys. Those guys are great. Or maybe ACDC. I'd be the second guitarist behind Angus. I'd be the rhythm guitarist behind get, Angus you, in ACDC. So, fuck that's Malcolm. No, Malcolm. I mean, if I had to choose somebody, that's the one I would choose. <laughs> I would but take now, ACDC. Now, out of Black Sabbath's long, illustrious career, there's not anybody in that lineup nope. that you would replace. Nope. Not Geezer, Through not all Tony, their not Ozzy. Iterations. No. Not because the original four are the only ones I care about. Oh. And I love DO too, so I'm not replacing anyone. No, gotcha. I would say I would take uh, an ACDC or an, an GNR. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. And what instrument? A guitar. 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 Yeah. Okay. Guitar. What a badass. Yeah, no, no love for the drummers. <laughs> no, nah, there's too much. They, their shoulders go and their elbows go. It's too physically demanding. 
I feel much better now. Thank yeah. you for looking at my bleak future. That's a very hard. That's a hard job. Being a yeah. drummer is a fucking a grueling, grueling gig. Uh, so wait, so wait, well, hold on. Before we, we're gonna move on real quick. We're gonna, but uh, you, you wouldn't take uh, Ian Gillian's position. Um, That's an no, easy one to replace. I wouldn't, and you get to be front man. I don't want to be front man. Ozzy was the front man. Dio was the front man, and I even liked Ian Gillian on that one album. Look at this. I Look don't need this. it. Right. Um, no, I would not do it. <laughs> no. Fair enough. Hey. Fair enough. <laughs> this one's for Here's you. This yes, one. I would. What? I'd play keyboards and <laughs> I would play keyboards. Someone played keyboard in Sabbath. I would do that. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Three notes. You know, all the money, all the black backstage fucking blowjobs. That's that's a that's yes, a great. That gig. I would do. You could do that now. That I would do. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere there's a band playing Sabbath Stone as we speak. No, Adam Wakeman is a keyboardist. I would. Do yeah. That. I like Adam, but I would take that job. Yeah. <laughs> would think twice about it. Uh, this this question is from Gary. What's the weirdest thing that has ever happened on a porn set? Oh, okay. Who's that directed to? Me oh, that's or? to you. To me? Is it? The weirdest thing on a porn set is hard to say because there's so many. I would say this. Yeah. The woman who just died making the Bukaki video. What are there, you talking there about? There was a woman somewhere in Japan or somewhere. She drowned making a Bukaki video. Son of a... It was like a gangbang Bukaki video. Are you fucking serious? I never yeah. heard about that. I have. I did hear that, and I would say there's nothing weirder than that. But she did die doing what she loved. Oh, I'll, I'll take one for the team. Okay, She was ahead. coming and going at the same time. Son of a bitch. Shut Somebody had to say it. Yep, womp, it had womp, to be done. Womp, womp. Jesus, really? Okay, well, I'm in porn. Can I give my stupid yeah. story? <laughs> Can I give my stupid story? Yeah. Okay, the uh, Jesus, on all the fucking sets I've been in the 11 years I've been doing this, I've seen all kinds of strange things. So instead of I'll, – I'll, personal story. That's okay. what I'll do. Okay. Uh, so this was about uh, three years ago. Um, I had invited a dude over. Uh, I, this is here in Texas. There's there's only in transport there's only like five dudes okay. that do the work. There's really there's it's a it's a it's very DIY, it's very punk rock, the whole trans niche thing. Okay. Um and and we don't have a lot of talent to pick from. So here in in Texas where I have to make hardcore porn, I basically gotta pick from fans. You know, I gotta be really careful about folks that I pick and I get it, it's nonstop for 11 years. I got to rifle through fucking 50 emails a day by just people all over the world going, can I, fuck you, can I, you know, come on. And and it's just a goddamn hassle. And you got to give them the same answer every time. You know, it's like, no, no, you don't call me. I call you. If I'm interested, I'll find you. Okay. Don't I'm not gonna no. You're not gonna. So you got a your, fan to come on the set? Yeah. Well. Okay. No, so yeah. So I picked a fan, and uh, and and he was a cool guy. Uh, again, this was about three years ago. He came over. He was timely. He uh, did exactly what I told him to do. He took direction well. He followed the script. He was very laid back. We got a lot of good work done in a short amount of time. It was the perfect scenario up until the point where we get to the last little bit of scene. We're working up to the cum shot, and this guy, he is, he's, he's fucking me on a, what a, essentially a, a, like a duvet, right? And he has my legs – sorry. He has my legs up in the air, 
and he's ramming me, and he's ramming me, he's ramming me, and it's a really cool fucking shot because my camera person was on point getting this like direct down shot, and and all slicked up with oil, and the guy's just ramming it, and I'm totally in the scene, and and he fucks and he fucks and he fucks, but I'm so slicked up with oil that he fucks me completely off the duvet. He did one last hard ram, and I flew right out of the camera and landed, almost broke my neck, <laughs> almost broke my neck. And I actually have it as a blooper scene, or I'm sorry, I have it as a blooper scene that's actually available on my website because it was so funny. He thought he had hurt the shit out of me because I had flown off. It was about this high, this the high is this chair that's sitting in front of me, and and he's, he's pile-driving me with my legs in the air, and I'm ever so increasingly slipping off the edge of the thing, but we're so into it, I don't notice until it's too late. Until you're on the floor. Yeah, and then, whoom, and completely smashed onto the ground, and he's immediately goes pale. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, and, and I'm laughing my ass off. It was, it was the most hilarious thing, and... Uh, I'll fucking put a link to the uh, to the blooper in the uh, description of the uh, video here. Uh, but that was that was not so much weird and not so much uncomfortable, but probably the funniest thing that's ever happened on set. On the next episode of Shake Hands with Danger, <laughs> the porn episode. Okay, so uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and tie a bow on this thing. We got a lot of questions answered and. Jim, thank you so much. You're thank you very much for having us. You're very welcome. I uh, appreciate it. Real quick, we're at the Texas Theater. Uh, you just got done doing your show. Yes. What'd you think? How'd you feel? I liked the crowd. Um, they were very nice. They were responsive. You know, whenever they, I never get standing O's, but on this tour, they've been doing that, which is kind of nice. And I'm not humble bragging. It's just not like I'm not expecting that. So when it happens, I'm always really shocked. So uh, I loved it. <laughs> I really loved the crowd that came. And uh, now tomorrow is Austin. Fucking A. Don't yeah. forget to stop by the Death Star before you pull out. What does that mean? What do you mean by that? Uh, AT&T Stadium. It's, oh, yeah, yeah. I do want to no see no moon. That. It's a back. fucking space station. I'll come back and see a game soon. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank you guys very much. Thank you so much. Uh, does anybody have any plugs? Because this is, this oh, yeah. is going to go up on Monday. Uh, is there anything you want to say? Jim Norton. JimNorton.com. My tour dates are all there. So if you want to see him, check out JimNorton.com. Okay, great. JimNorton.com. Anything you need to plug? Uh, No. Okay, great. Uh, uh, ApproximatePodcast.com. You know the screed. Go ahead and do the uh, well, last it's a, it's bit. It's a dead girl production. Um, you can find us through the Twitterverse at yep. ApproxPod. Um, we, knew, we, do have a, uh, we do have a Patreon account, patreon.com. Um, uh, just five dollars yeah. podcast. Yeah. Uh, just here's $5 will get us on, yeah. Let, let's go ahead and, uh, dude, uh, Anybody that's listening, you can find us on all social media. You're not dummies. You know how Google works. You know how to find us. It's approximatepodcast.com. Um, uh, the burner line is 817-673-3704. That's 817-673-3704. You can go ahead and leave a text message or, you know, just drop us a line and we'll address you on future episodes. Other than that, I think we're good. Are we out? We out. All right. We out. Thank you so much, Jim Norton. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. We out.